Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, my co-host is Ellen, and this is our 101st episode. Woohoo! We we just did that last week for the 100th episode. Well, yeah, but you got to say it last time. I wanted to say it all excitedly and stuff. But it's the 101st episode. It's not as it's not as exciting as the 100th episode. Well, not with that attitude, it's not. I think 101 is an excellent number. It's 101 Dalmatians. <sighs> but this is 101 episodes, Ellen. It's way better. All right, fine. Let's just keep rolling into the rolling rehash. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 28, the madness of Mr. Crouch, and the kind of, sort of, not really corresponding film scene. Dobby thinks Christmas has come early when he's presented with his lovely woolen thank you gifts from the trio. Harry just can't keep his nose away from Crouch's winky. Hagrid keeps knocking it out of the park with great lessons. Ron has the most efficient Niffler, but all it's really good at is making him realize he's still poor. And Hermione discovers how seriously random strangers take her best friend's supposed broken heart but nothing adds insult to injury more than trying to use the bathroom with her heavily bandaged hands. Our Potter pondering was, what magical creatures do you really wish you could have seen that were left out of the movies? Or, which ones were included, though differently than you imagined? Or, which ones were included, but absolutely perfect? Mm-hmm. And as pondered by our patron Quincy, do house elves have the same emotional structure as humans? Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. I'm going to go with a creature-related scene. Parts of the creature are in the scene, so I hope it counts. So you remember in Book 7 when Hermione and Xenophilia's Lovegood were going back and forth about, hey, this is a crumpled horn, Snorkax horn, and Hermione's like, um, isn't a rumpet horn and a bomb? And in denial, Xenophilius Lovegood blew up his own damn house. Yes, that would have been really nice to see. You know, I hope that counts as a creature, you know, that I would like to see <laughs> on screen. Uh, for the house elves, I want to say they do have our emotional structure. But I think it's bent by the enchantment that forces them to stay enslaved. You know, because... Kind of like how Harry said the Imperious Curse made him feel kind of euphoric. I'm pretty sure that's why the house elves are obsessed with serving their masters and it makes them so happy because magically it probably does. And so much so that when they're not doing it, they're so willing to whoop their own ass. Makes complete sense to me. But, you know, Dobby was a special case. He was getting severely abused to the point where he was probably getting abused for doing stuff correctly. Because the Malfoys are just assholes and there were dark wizards and Dobby was like, oh, I don't even fuck with that. So Dobby was like, I'd rather be free, but not too free because he didn't want those 10 galleons a week from Dumbledore. Remember that? So he was still, you know, he probably still got some euphoria from his couple of gallons a week and whatever euphoria he lost for getting paid, he replaced with socks and hats. Okay, that's how I feel. 
Hey guys, Jackson here with my Potter Pondering. So, creatures that I wanted to see in Harry Potter. Oh, there's so many. From blast-handed scroots to... Let me think. Oh, the other creatures that they studied in Lupin's classes. The, the red caps, the hinky punks, and the... What was that? Cappers. That's it, cappers. As for creatures that were done perfectly, well, Buckbeak, the Hippogriff, was awesome. Would have loved to have seen some more Hippogriffs in different colours. Fantastic Beast did a great job with Bow Truckles and, and Nifflers. The Nifflers were so goddamn cute. Now, as for Quincy's question about house elves, I think when it comes to regular emotions you know the, the ones that humans feel like happiness sadness pain yeah yeah i think they feel all those but i think that maybe they sort of suppress other emotions like specifically unhappiness because as we know they their belief is that they don't have the right to be unhappy especially when there's work to be done look i think that House elves are capable of emotion like every other creature. They probably just express it differently. Yeah, so that's my ponderings. Hey guys, it's Mike calling in for the Potter pondering about magical creatures. As for magical creatures that I really wish that I could have seen that were left out of the movies, a lot of the ones that were featured in the maze at the end, I thought would have been pretty cool. The Scroots obviously are part of that, but also in their earlier part of the movie, I think it would have just been really fun to see the entire class be traumatized by these giant, weird-looking... I imagine they look like potato bugs, only scalier and awful to behold. And then also I think the Sphinx would have been super cool. As for creatures that were in the... Movies that were completely different than what I thought. The main one that comes to mind is the house elves. Like when I first saw Dobby, in my head after reading the second one, I was picturing like more like childlike dimensions, I guess. Well, not even. He was like kind of rounder and I kept fixating on the round tennis ball eyes as she described them. And so to me, I guess the rest of them was kind of rounder as well. And then they showed like this gangly thing that looked like half starved and I was like what the fuck is that and yeah I mean obviously it that kind of passed quickly but it was way different than how I had pictured Dobby in my head speaking of house elves I feel like they probably do have a similar emotional structure as humans it does seem like they're always portrayed as being a little more naive than humans and a bit more childlike and like that might just be a bit of a bias based on, you know, the house elves that we know, but also they seem the children to goblins very much the crabby old man sort of human-ish persona. So yeah, I guess that's my thoughts on that. And yeah, bye. Thank you for your responses. Yes, you keepers rock! Our trivia question last week was, what time does McGonagall tell Harry he has to go down to the Quidditch pitch to learn about the third task? After transfiguration class, Professor McGonagall tells Harry to head to the Quidditch pitch at 9 p.m. 
Congratulations goes to Jackson Miller. Woohoo! He's up to five weeks in a row. Will he keep it going? We shall see. For now, let's just keep rolling into the second half of Chapter 28, The Madness of Mr. Crouch, and the kind of, sort of, maybe corresponding film scenes? Chapter 28, The Madness of Mr. Crouch, Part 2. Hermione never asks Ron and Harry for any help researching magical methods of eavesdropping, but still manages to do it all by herself, on top of all of her other schoolwork, which really impresses Harry, who's struggling to keep up with his own. He's also making a point to send regular food packages and updates to Sirius, while they wait to hear back from Percy. It isn't until the end of the Easter holidays that Hedwig returns with Percy's letter and a package of Easter eggs from Mrs. Weasley. Harry's and Ron's are both the size of dragon eggs, but Hermione's is the size of a chicken egg, and her face falls as she realizes that Mrs. Weasley must read Witch Weekly. Harry changes the subject to Percy's response, which was short and irritated, insisting that Crouch is taking a well-deserved break and is sending in regular notes. He asks them not to bother him again unless it's something important. The start of the summer term normally would involve training for the last Quidditch match of the season, but instead, Harry has to go down to the Quidditch field at 9 to learn about the third and final task of the Triwizard Tournament. At half past 8, he heads out of Gryffindor Tower and runs into Cedric Diggory in the entrance hall. The two head out to the Quidditch field together, discussing what the task could be, and are shocked to arrive and find the field covered in hedges. Bagman greets them and asks them what they think, before seeing the look on Harry and Cedric's face and reassuring them that their Quidditch field would be back to normal once the task is over. He says he imagines they can guess what they are making, and Crumb grunts that it's a maze. Fleur wonders if they just have to get through it, and Bagman explains that there will be obstacles like creatures and spells. They get to enter the maze according to their ranking order, and then he says that if they don't have any questions, they should head back to the castle. He hurries alongside Harry, who assumes he's going to offer to help him again, but then Crumb taps Harry on the shoulder and asks for a word. Harry, though slightly surprised, agrees and walks with Crumb to the edge of the forest. Once out of any possible earshot, he asks Harry what's going on between him and Hermione. Even more shocked now, Harry explains that they're just friends and that Rita Skeeter has been making things up. Crumb looks slightly happier and compliments Harry on his flying from the first task. Harry thanks him and mentions the Ronsky feint from the Quidditch World Cup, but they're interrupted by movement in the trees. He grabs Crumb's arm and pulls him around, shaking his head in response to Crumb wondering what it is. He stares at the trees and reaches for his wand, Surprised when an extremely disheveled Mr. Crouch emerges from behind a tall oak tree. Harry walks towards him and realizes that he's talking to himself, thinking that he's giving orders to Weatherby about the tournament. Harry tries to get his attention but can't seem to, and Crouch ends up falling to the ground. Crumb wonders what's wrong with him and Harry says he has no idea, but suggests that Crumb go get someone to help. All of a sudden, Crouch gasps, saying that he needs to see Dumbledore. Harry tries to persuade him to get up so he can take him to the headmaster, but he slips back into the confusion of giving directions to his assistant and talking about the 12 OWLs his son recently gained. Harry asked Crumb to wait with Crouch, saying he will go get Dumbledore, but before he can leave, Crouch pulls him down and begins desperately whispering about how Bertha is dead, 
his son, all his fault, saying he has to tell Dumbledore and also mentioning the Dark Lord. Harry again tells Crumb to stay with him and sprints back to the castle, straight to the hidden staircase that leads to Dumbledore's office. He tries to guess the password and is eventually interrupted by Snape, who proceeds to give him a hard time in his desperation to reach the headmaster. As Harry is trying to explain the situation, the stone wall slides open and Dumbledore appears. Harry sidesteps Snape and tells Dumbledore about Crouch, relieved when the headmaster doesn't ask any questions and just tells Harry to lead the way. Harry explains what Crouch said as they walk and that he left him with Victor Crumb, and Dumbledore speeds up his stride to get there faster. They reach the spot where Harry left Crumb and Crouch and at first don't see anyone. Dumbledore lights up his wand and they find Crumb stunned on the ground. He renovates him and Crumb wakes up muttering that the madman attacked him from behind while he was looking to see where Potter had gone. At this point, Hagrid shows up too and Dumbledore sends him to fetch Professor Karkaroff. He also tells him to get Professor Moody too, but Moody is already limping towards them, asking what happened, saying Snape said something about Crouch. Hagrid heads off to fetch Karkaroff and Moody begins to search for Barty Crouch. When Karkaroff arrives, he is outraged to learn that one of the Triwizard Tournament judges attacked his student and rants about it before spitting on the ground at Dumbledore's feet. Hagrid lifts Karkaroff by the furs and slams him into a nearby tree, demanding that he apologize to Dumbledore, who tells the half-giant no and asks him to instead escort Harry back to the castle. Hagrid isn't sure if he should leave, but Dumbledore insists and directs Harry to go right back to Gryffindor Tower and to wait to send any letters until the morning. Harry wonders how Dumbledore knew he was considering sending a letter to Sirius, but agrees and heads off with Hagrid, who angrily growls about Karkaroff before lecturing Harry about going off alone with Crumb. Harry insists that Crumb is alright and points out that Hagrid was getting on alright with Madame Maxime, causing Hagrid to again growl not to talk to him about her especially since she's been trying to get back into his good books to learn about the third task. He again insists that you can't trust any of them and is in such a bad mood that Harry isn't sad to say goodbye when he reaches the fat lady. He climbs through the portrait hole and heads straight to Ron and Hermione to tell them what happened. The movie scene starts out with a nighttime wide transition shot of the castle, lake, and mountains where Hagrid's voice begins to say that he remembers... It then cuts to Hagrid walking through the trees with Harry, Ron, and Hermione, talking about how he remembers when he first met them all, calling them all the biggest bunch of misfits he had ever set eyes on, but also saying they reminded him of himself a little. He goes on to say that here they are, four years later, and Ron laughs, saying they're still a bunch of misfits. Hagrid says, maybe, but they've all got each other, and Harry, of course. The camera shifts to show Harry walking slightly apart from the others looking for Lorne, as Hagrid yells out that Harry is soon to be the youngest Triwizard Champion there ever has been. He then begins to sing the school song, which Hermione and Ron both join in on. Harry continues to wander in a direction on his own, and notices a bowler hat lying on the ground. He walks towards it and feels a pain in his scar as he comes up on a large tree and sees a leg poking out from behind it. The camera pans around the tree and reveals Mr. Crouch is lying on the ground, dead. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So this half of the book chapter does actually have a teeny bit of a film scene that 
you know, sort of goes along with it. Just a teeny bit. Just a little guy. It definitely corresponds, but it is not the same. No. No. Not at all. <laughs> we start off this section with the knowledge that Hermione has managed to research magical methods of eavesdropping all on her own. On top of doing all of her other schoolwork. I mean, that sounds pretty familiar from stories that you've told me of your first couple weeks back to school. It's my life right now. <laughs> it's also why we haven't had any kind of Potterheads of History episodes or cooking show episodes posted. Because we are lucky I'm getting the regular episodes out on time. And you're doing very well. Eventually, I will be caught up on school stuff. And by next year... By next school year, this is going to be a breeze. Right. Because I won't have to make all of the lessons again. This is just my first year full time at one school. And the way that my schedule worked out in the past, I only got to see about half the school mm -hmm. at a time. So I would only see each grade about half the year. Yeah. Which means now I have to figure out how to plan a whole year's worth of curriculum <laughs> and not just half a year's. Right. It's a little different for you. It is a little different in a wonderful way, mm -hmm. but I can't just be like, and more lessons to tack on to the end of the year. No, it has to actually follow the units that I mm -hmm. have set up already. So I have to come up with new lessons to fit into the units that I'm already in. What? You need cohesive lesson plans. Yes, I have a curriculum and I just have to expand that. And I also have Ohio State standards that I have to follow and everything has to tie in together. And I actually have a pretty fantastic principal, but he is, what's the word? Hard to read. Ah. Uh. And he is my evaluator now, and I've never been evaluated by him before, so I don't know how it's going to go. And that makes me feel like I have to be even more on top of my game. It's a lot. And all of this is reasons why I'm not a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but I am very impressed. As is Harry of Hermione's ability to juggle all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Because he is struggling to just keep up with his own schoolwork. And that's it. Yeah. Thank God he wasn't the one with the time turner last year. Right? <laughs> Death to Harry. Mm-hmm. Although he is also trying to make it a point to send regular food packages and updates to Snuffles. Although the updates are literally like, haven't heard back from Percy yet, nothing new going on. So... <laughs> Not that much of an update. No. Just nothing new. Here's some ham. Yep, basically. <laughs> Although that's pretty good mail, if I have to say. Right? <laughs> I'd take it. No news is good news, and plus you get ham. So I have an idea. <laughs> ham. Hamagram. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hamagram. <laughs> Episode title. <laughs> What do you do when your friends are down? Hamagram. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they're not Jewish. But then it could be a yamagram. <laughs> <laughs> but that would make more sense around the Thanksgiving holidays. These are the Easter holidays where hamagram still makes the most sense. True. Percy's letter comes along with a package of Easter eggs from Mrs. Weasley. Aw, that's fun. Except for the fact that this is the moment Hermione realizes that Mrs. Weasley reads Witch Weekly because she gets this little bitty chicken egg of an Easter egg, and Harry and Ron's are both the size of dragon's eggs and full of toffee. 
Yeah. That's the downside of messing with a mom's little chick. Yeah. <laughs> Except for the fact that Mrs. Weasley really should have known that Rita Skeeter likes to stir up shit because she already said it earlier in the book. Right. It's a little bit, I have to admit, disappointing. Yeah. That kind of behavior is a little bit disappointing from Molly. But like you said, somebody seemed to have messed with her chick. Yeah, true. It's that mama bear thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you kind of, she probably has like tunnel vision going. Yeah. And Harry changes the subject. Sorry, Hermione, that sucks. But Percy's response. <laughs> and just as Ron predicted, not much of a response at all. It was very short, very irritated, and clearly something that he's been having to say a lot. He's ill. He's taking some much-deserved time. He's sending in letters. No, I have not seen him in person, but I think I can be trusted to know my superior's handwriting. Don't ask me any more questions unless it's important. Fuck off. It's quite succinct. I mean, that's basically what the letter was, except for the fuck off. I added that in. Well, I figured that. Yeah. It's not Ron, it's Percy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, nothing useful from that. Shocker. But it was worth a shot, at least. Yeah, they tried. Yep. The chapter then goes on to talk about how, at this point of the year, they'd be coming into the summer term, and Harry would normally be training for the last Quidditch match of the school year. Mm-hmm. However, there is no Quidditch because there's a quad wizard tournament. And he's instead trying desperately to pretend it's not about to happen, even though it's getting closer and closer. Yeah. I don't blame him, though. He learns that he has to go down to the Quidditch field at nine to find out about the third and final task of this quad wizard tournament. Which was our trivia question. Yep. And at half past eight, he's like, all right, I'm going to head down. Time to go. (laughs) Dreading this a little bit. Dreading this a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but he runs into Cedric Diggory in the entrance hall. And the two of them end up walking out to the Quidditch field together discussing what the task might be. Apparently, Fleur thinks it has something to do with finding buried treasure. And Harry's just like, that's not so bad. I'll ask Hagrid for a Niffler. Right? Like, you need a Niffler, you Niffler. Akio Niffler, bitches. Right? <laughs> <laughs> But they reach the field and are just appalled to see that it's completely covered in hedges. They're like, oh god, oh god, oh god. (laughs) And Bagman, being Bagman, is initially like, hey guys, you excited about this? And then he sees the look on their face and is just like, don't worry, you'll get your Quidditch field back to normal when the task (laughs) is over. And they're like, okay, like clutching their hearts like, thank god, oh no. Right, you've got at least three diehard Quidditch players right there. Right? I don't know about Fleur. I can't imagine Fleur playing Quidditch, but who knows? But, yeah, so you've got Harry, Cedric, and Crumb all like, oh my god! Quidditch field! What'd you guys do? How dare you abuse the Quidditch field? (laughs) Bagman says, I bet you can guess what we're making here. And it's actually Crumb who's just like, maze. (laughs) Just one word. Maze. Maze. And Fleur's like, so do we just have to get through it? mazes are hard and bagman explains that there's going to be obstacles things like creatures and spells that they're going to have to get past apparently hagrid's going to be providing them so it should be fun i mean yeah they're fucked 
Right. Harry's just like, I know what kind of creatures Hagrid could provide for something like this. I don't think this sounds fun at all. No, no, not even a little. But they're going to get to enter the maze according to their ranking order. So that's Harry and Cedric going in first, then Victor, then Fleur. And whoever gets to the center is the winner. And Bagman says if they don't have any questions, they should probably just head back to the castle since it's kind of late. And for some reason, it's okay for people to be out of bed late at night when it's something official like detention or learning about the Quad Wizard Tournament. Obviously. Despite the fact that, from all appearances, Sirius Black seems to still be on the loose. Right. (laughs) Yet we haven't seen one Dementor this whole book. Have we? None Dementors yet. Bagman tries to walk with Harry back to the castle, and Harry's just like, he's probably going to offer to help me again. (laughs) But he's saved by the crumb, who asks if he can have a bird with him. Can I have a bird? (laughs) It's my terrible Bulgarian accent. Half a bird. Half a bird. (laughs) So Harry's shocked, but he agrees, and Bagman's like, should I wait for you? And Harry's just like, nah, man, I think I can find the castle on my own. Yeah, I'm good, guy. I got this. And he follows Crumb to the edge of the forest where they're out of earshot. And then is even more shocked when Crumb's just like, what is going on between you and Hermonini? (laughs) And Harry's just like, seriously? Like, you're an international Quidditch player and you view me as actual competition for a girl? I mean, he likes her. He really likes her. (laughs) And Harry sighs and once again explains that she's not his girlfriend. They're just friends. Rita Garbage Skeeter is making shit up. And Crumb's like, but she talks about you a lot. And Harry's just like, yeah, because we're friends. (laughs) And this actually makes Crumb feel better. He's slightly happier. And he tells Harry that he flies very well. He was watching in the first task. And that would feel awesome. Mm -hmm. An international Quidditch player just told Harry fucking Potter that he was a good flyer. Yeah, that'll be like the center point of his happiest dreams from now on, honestly. Especially considering how he looked up to him during the Quidditch World Cup. And oh my gosh, yeah, I'd lose my mind. And Harry was immediately like, thanks. Like, you're so awesome too. The Ronsky faints at the Quidditch World Cup I was watching. And then they're interrupted by... Some sort of noise. There's movement near the trees. Aren't they always? Mm-hmm. Hmm. It was too happy of a moment for Harry. We can't have that. Right? <laughs> and Harry grabs Crumb and spins him around so they're both looking in the same direction and reaches for his wand. And Crumb's just like, what? And Harry's just like, shakes his head. Don't bother me right now. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Crumb's not the brightest crayon in the box. I mean, the dude can't even read. Right. So there's that. And all of a sudden, Barty Crouch emerges from behind a fucking tree. What? And this is so weird because he's supposed to be sick, Mm -hmm. hasn't been showing up for the tournament. And then on top of that, dude looks like he's been walking for days. He is disheveled. His robes are torn. His hair and mustache both need a trim and he does not look anything like the neat put together hitler dude that he normally looks like yeah it's definitely a stark contrast to what we've seen before from Mm -hmm. marty crouch plus he's rambling 
thinking that he's giving instructions to Weatherby, because apparently he still calls Percy Weatherby. Like he does. And then he trips and just falls on the ground while Harry's trying to get his attention. And Crumb's like, what is going on with this guy? What's wrong with him? And Harry's like, I have no idea. Maybe you should go get help. And Crumb, not being able to read, is a little slow on that uptake. But they're distracted when Crouch gasps and it's just like, I need to see Dumbledore. Like, this is very lucid. Mm -hmm. Crazy, but lucid. Yeah. And he starts insisting that he needs to see Dumbledore. And Harry's like, well, get up. I will take you to him. And then Crouch just slips back into the confusion. And he starts talking about how his son recently gained 12 OWLs, which makes no sense whatsoever Mm -hmm. because there's no way that happened recently. Yeah. Something is definitely up with this guy because dude is fucked in the head. Right. Falling on the ground, rambling about things that don't make sense, occasionally going lucid and begging to see Dumbledore. He recognizes Harry, but doesn't realize it's Harry. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, Dumbledore, you'll take me to him? And Harry's like, yeah. And he's just like, you're not his. And Harry's like, no. Like, not knowing what's going on, really. (laughs) But... The whole situation is very strange, and he tries to tell Crumb, like, no, you stay with him and keep an eye on him. I know where Dumbledore's office is. I can get there faster. And he tries to leave to go get Dumbledore, but, like, Crouch pulls him down and starts talking about how Bertha Jorkins is dead. It's all his fault. Says something about his son. Says something about Harry Potter. And says something about the Dark Lord. Hmm. All very crazy, but unfortunately coming out a lot more lucid than the other shit he was talking about. Yeah, boy definitely needs more gillyweed. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of where the movie section corresponds. And note my use of the word kind of, because it barely has anything in common. Yeah. We join our hero in the Forbidden Forest at dusk, because, sure, why not? But Harry's not with Crumb. He's sort of with Hagrid, Ron, and Hermione. Yeah, the movie also never had them find out about the third task. It's just a cut to them in the forest after the second task. Why would you need to know about the third task? That's so dumb. Right? Whatever. And we hear Hagrid say that he remembers when he first met them all as he walks along with the trio as they are. (laughs) He then calls them the biggest bunch of misfits he ever set eyes on. Not wrong there. Nope. (laughs) He goes on to say that they remind him a little of himself. So for those keeping score, Hagrid is two for two today. Well, he could use a win after that article. What article? You know, the one from the book about Hagrid being half giant. Oh, you mean the thing the movie left out completely? That's the one. Yeah. Hagrid was so forlorn. Remember that? Vaguely. That's not how it happened in the movie, though. They left that out for 75-minute-long dragon chases and random scenes in the Forbidden Forest, where they now all are four years and about 50 pounds of combined hair later. (laughs) Ron laughs, saying they're still a bunch of misfits. Point Ron. Yes. Obviously. But Hagrid points out that they may be, but they've got each other, and Harry, of course. Who, famous or not, is probably the biggest misfit of the group. I mean, he's definitely the biggest meddler. The biggest noser. Yes. (laughs) The movie even reflects that as Harry veers away from the others, looking emo AF, 
as Hagrid, a man who never met a jinx he can't make worse, yells out that Harry is about to be the youngest quad wizard champion that there has ever been. He then, for some unfathomable reason, begins to sing the school song, which Hermione and Ron both join in on, since everyone knows the best way to deter danger is to sing your school alma mater loudly in the middle of the woods. I mean, it was pretty scary. But Harry continues to wander randomly by himself when he notices a bowler hat lying on the ground. He goes to get it, thinking it would look dope as hell on him. But turns out his scar is not a big fan of headgear and gives him a warning zap of pain. <laughs> it is then that Harry notices a leg poking out from behind a big-ass tree. The camera pans around and reveals... Dun, dun, dun! Mr. Crouch is lying on the ground. Dead. Like a asp. <gasps> now, as you already mentioned, this is not how it happened in the book. What? As we already discussed, Harry was with Crumb mm -hmm. and finds Crouch completely alive, though a little out of it. A little? Okay, a lotle out of it. <laughs> lotle? Uh-huh. You know what? Taking it. Harry again tells Crumb to stay with him because... Dude can't even read and probably needs directions in multiple ways. Like, maybe he should have written it down, mm -hmm. acted it out. Some direction charades? Right. <laughs> but he runs straight to the hidden staircase that leads to Dumbledore's office. And he tries to guess the password, starting with Sherbet Lemon, because that's what it was the last time he had to go to his office. But that wouldn't work. And he's just desperately standing there trying to figure out what to do when Snape shows up. And that's always a good time. <laughs> and decides to be Snape and just really enjoy himself while he's preventing Harry from the one thing that he wants. Even though this is a real fucking emergency and you're being a dickhole. Snape, you're being a dickhole. I mean, is that that much different than usual Snape? No, it's not. All right, At least then. not in the book. Definitely. <laughs> So Harry's trying to explain the situation to Dickhole Snape. Dickhole Snape? Dickhole Snape. Sounds like, like Black Hole Son. <laughs> Dickhole Snape, won't you come? Anyway, Harry's trying to explain the situation to Dickhole Snape, and thankfully the stone wall just opens and Dumbledore appears because that was going to go on forever. Yeah. And all knowing Dumbledore probably realized he needed to be down there so or he was just you know going to get some hot chocolate who knows i like to think that dumbledore had a peephole on the other side and he was watching harry like guess wrong and then he saw snape coming and he was like oh <laughs> i should probably get out there now all right this is gonna be bad <laughs> yeah but harry just like cuts snape off before he has a chance to say anything and tells dumbledore that barty crouch is here he's crazy but he's here and thankfully, Dumbledore does not ask any questions and just asks him to lead the way. So while they're walking out to find Crouch and Crumb, Harry's explaining the situation to him. And when Dumbledore realizes that Harry left him with Victor Crumb, he starts walking so much faster that Harry actually has to jog to keep up with him. So much for lead the way. Right. He's going to take over that one. And they make it to the spot where he left them and can't find anybody at first. Dumbledore lights his wand and they find Crumb lying unconscious on the ground. Hmm. After a close inspection, he's just stunned and Dumbledore renovates him. 
and he just wakes up and is immediately like, the madman attacked me. I was attacked. <laughs> and they have no idea where Crouch has gone. He just disappeared. That's the way the cookie crumbles? <laughs> <laughs> At this point, Hagrid shows up too, probably because they're not far from his cabin. Yeah. And he wants to know what's going on. And Dumbledore's like, you need to go get Professor Karkarov, let him know that his student's been attacked, and then go fetch Professor Moody. And, of course, at this moment, Professor Moody shows up like, no need, I'm here. Snape said something about Barty Crouch. Which is actually a convenient. Very convenient. Yeah, so he somehow managed to run into Snape, who he doesn't get along with, and quickly get information about Barty Crouch being there when Snape wouldn't even listen, and probably doesn't actually have any idea of what's going on, and somehow managed to make it there mere moments after the rest of them did. You know, Ellen, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you were suspicious of this moody guy. Well, he's fishy. <laughs> Hagrid heads off to go find Karkaroff. And Moody starts looking for Barty Crouch because they don't know what happened to him. When Karkaroff shows up, he's pissed off, of course. I mean, his student was attacked. I don't blame him at all. And his student is Victor Crumb, who he clearly babies. Right. Like, that is his claim to fame right there. Well, it's his cash cow. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's irate, and he's ranting about a quad wizard tournament judge attacking his student and how this is all messed up. And then he spits at Dumbledore's feet. Which references him spitting on Dumbledore at the second task. Right, because we don't get it any other point. Mm -hmm. In This does not happen in the movie. So, yeah, that spit was true to his character, even though it didn't fully make sense at that point, since he was a judge and should have known that's what the score was going to be. But I digress. <laughs> I actually would have loved to see this part because in reaction to Karkaroff spitting at Dumbledore's feet, Hagrid grabs him by the furs and slams him into a tree trunk. <laughs> like lifts him up off the ground, uh. slams him into a tree trunk and demands he apologize to Dumbledore. Hell yeah. Think about how he reacted to the Dursleys. Right? Calling him a crackpot old fool. Right? Like he bent a goddamn rifle. Mm -hmm. At that point. Hagrid is totally Dumbledore's goon. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Just saying. But with a heart of gold. Funkle Hagrid, the goon with a heart of gold. <laughs> Dumbledore, of course, is just like, Hagrid, no! We cannot treat him like this. Secretly, he's going, Hagrid, yes! But... <laughs> Hagrid, yes? <laughs> Hagrid, no! <laughs> so, Hagrid lowers him. But Dumbledore insists that he takes Harry back to the castle instead, and Hagrid just like, maybe I should stay here? <laughs> and Dumbledore's like, dude, I do not need a goon in this moment. Please I take Harry back to the castle. And then he turns to Harry and is just like, go straight back to Gryffindor Tower. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Do not send any letters you might be thinking of sending. And Harry's just like, how did he know I was going to go send a letter to Sirius? Because he's Dumbledore and Dumbledore knows everything. Not to mention, Harry's not that good with secrets. He's not. He's really bad good at it. Good with nosing, bad with secrets. Mm -hmm. So Harry heads off with Hagrid, who's literally growling. He's so upset about how Karkaroff treated Dumbledore. 
And then he starts lecturing Harry for going off alone with Crumb. And Harry's just like, dude, Crumb's all right. <laughs> like, Hermione's been getting along with him really well. And Hagrid's like, I'm going to have a talk with her, too. And Harry's just like, you were getting on just fine with Madame Maxime. And he's just like, don't even talk to me about that woman. Right. Don't even bring that bitch in this conversation. You can't trust any of them. I got her number now. She's trying to get back in my good books so she can find out shit about the third task. And it's not happening. Don't trust any of them. <laughs> His mood is so, so, so crappy that Harry's just like, thank God I'm back at the fat lady. Bye. <laughs> All women are evil. Thanks. Bye, Hagrid. See you later. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he goes through the portrait hole and heads straight to Ron and Hermione to tell them what happened. And that's all for the book chapter. And there were no new actors this time, so let's just roll right into our Potter pondering. What are your thoughts on how the film changed Harry's discovery of Mr. Crouch from how the book had it? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts, or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer, and as always, you could record it and email it to us as well at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. We really look forward to reading and hearing them. And now for our sorting hat story, which is from Liz Furman Bragg. She writes, Pottermore put me in Gryffindor, but I am definitely a Hufflepuff. My wand is ten and three quarters, reasonably supple red oak with a unicorn hair core. My Patronus is a swift which disappointed me at first, but I heard an NPR story on them, and now I love it. I got into Harry Potter because a friend was reading them, and we often read the same thing, so she thought I would like it. I was a bit offended that she thought I needed to read a kid's book. At this time, one movie was out for sure. I hadn't seen it and just assumed. I watched the first movie, and then read the second book, then the third. Then I was hooked and got the fourth. Fairly sure this was about a year before the release of Half-Blood Prince, if I remember correctly. I never did get into the movies. They just aren't my thing. But I did go back and read the first book eventually. I read them to my kids now, and I'm raising a new generation of Potter book lovers. Aww. Thank you so much for sharing your Sorting Hat story with us, Liz. As the resident, that's not how it happened in the book host. I do understand preferring the books over the movies. But I will say that doing this podcast has definitely given me new appreciation for them. Yes, thank you for that story. It was awesome. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email it to us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. You can also just message it to us over social media. This week's trivia question is... What does Harry ultimately correctly guess the password to Dumbledore's office to be? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word, hashtag, I was only joking, will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. 
make sure to check out our website at justkeeprolling.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you would like to help us continue creating more content, you can support us as a patron and get extra perks on patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about Chapter 29, The Dream, and a film scene that we put in here even though it barely has anything to do with this chapter. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just just keep keep rolling. rolling.